Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church and delighted to be your pastor. Cafe folks, we love you. Welcome. Open your Bibles, everybody, to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. I want to talk a bit this morning about the 2020 vision. Emily, our slides are off already this morning. Can we start the one that says the 2020 vision? Start right there with me. Right there. 2020 vision. At Woodburn Baptist Church, we talk a, a, quite a lot about this because it's important. 2020 vision is our church's mission, our church's purpose to plan or partner in planting 20 churches by the year 2020. That sounds huge. It, it, it is huge. Uh, but honestly, I really believe that what the 2020 vision is is simply a revelation of what God will do with our church if all of us, and, and I mean all of us, are fully faithful. So the 2020 vision is not so much a goal, it's just simply a revelation of what God will do with us if over the next few years we will be fully faithful to him. Now here's the thing, it's a quote by Reggie Joner. Uh, when you see how much time you have left, it tends to make you get serious about the time you have now. You understand that? When you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time you have now. And it's beginning to happen through the congregation. People are starting to do the math. 2020, oh, 20, and, and it's 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Ah! And, and it feels that way. When you really begin to see how much time we have left, it makes us begin to get serious. I, I, I pray about the time that we have now. Now, we've made good progress, and I'm excited about what God has already done. I'm excited about the fact that we've been a financial partner with Nueva Vida Mission in Bowling Green for years and years and years. That's the Hispanic ministry. It's become one of the most important and significant Hispanic ministries in the state of Kentucky, Nueva Vida. That was our first partner. It's a financial partnership. Then came the church up the road. What would we call that place? Franklin, yeah, Franklin Campus, Franklin Community Church now, multiple services. They're still baptizing people on Wednesday night. I said, Pastor Eric, I didn't know people could get baptized on Wednesday night. And God is blessed in using them. It's a church on fire, and, and I absolutely love that. Uh, church on the Square in Perry, Oklahoma, Brian Ahern, Tina Ahern, our, our good friends, they continue to work every single day for the gospel in Perry, Oklahoma. Ecclesia Lighthouse, your local church plants. Most recently, our church has decided to partner with a church planter named Sam Malanga, who will go outside of Seattle, Washington when all of his funding comes together. Gosh, it's amazing and, and beautiful to see what God is doing. It's exciting to think about what God is going to do because when you count down those years and understand how little time we have left, it, it makes us understand what the next few years are going to look like if God has his way with us. Can we talk about that a little bit? Can we talk about that? It makes me nervous. It makes me excited. It makes me want to uh, talk about the next church plant. Let's open up our Bibles to Psalm 78. And let me share with you some things I feel like God is showing me. Psalm 78, start with verse 1. I don't know your page is turning. Y'all already there? Are we there? Okay. Psalm 78. This is what the Word of God says. This is the passage, by the way, if you remember, that we used when we launched and dedicated what we call the next center. We get that word next, center, next, from this passage. We're talking about the next generation, and this is what the Scripture says. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the, say it, 
next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors or fathers, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Let's stop there. This is another quote I've said a lot because it's terrifying and and, and very true. The church is one generation away from extinction. It's always true. The, The church is one generation away from extinction, which is to say, if we as parents, if we don't pass the faith on to our children, if if we miss a generation, then understand this church dies. It, it, it dies. It's always a generation to generation arrangement that we have here. And it's our obligation to make sure that we secure the future, that we secure the faith for the next generation. And there's nothing new about that. It's as old as the Bible. It is as old as the earth. We pass the faith along to the next generation. That is exactly why Christ gave us the great commission to win the world. It's one generation at a time, always passing it on to the next generation. It's exactly why at Woodburn Baptist Church, we talk about church planting, because church planting is simply evangelism. That's all it is. It's winning the lost. It's it's winning souls. And planting new churches is the oldest strategy in the book for reaching new people, for, for reaching the lost for Christ. It's what Paul did. It's what people have always done. There's nothing new about it. We haven't invented anything. We're not doing something unique. This is the way it's always been done. You pass the faith along to the next generation by winning souls and new converts require new churches. So we plant churches, we win souls, we try to reach the next generation. There's nothing new about this. This is just simply what churches have always done. We reach the lost, we reach the next generation, we win souls. So think about this. Every single church that you could see today, somebody planted yesterday. Every church, every church is a church plant. You understand that? They're all church plants. As a matter of fact, the church you're sitting in is a church plant. Somebody planted us. Do you know that? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about the fact that that this church wasn't always here, but somebody somewhere sometime decided to plant Woodburn Baptist Church? Do you know anything about that? Let me tell you something about that. Help me out here, Emily. Let me show you this. Yeah, Woodburn Baptist Church, this is in 1910. 1910. This is our church building. Now, if you notice, here's right here, this is the front window. That's that window. That's the stained glass window. It used to be on the very, very front of this building. There are two front doors. Why are there two front doors? Yeah, men and women had separate doors. What's up with that? Men and women, as a matter of fact, when you got inside the sanctuary, I believe it was the women who sat on, they called it the Woodburn side, and then the men sat on this side. They actually sat on two separate sides of the church building. I don't know exactly why they did that, but it seems like a lot of churches did that back in those days. It's just absolutely amazing. Next picture, let's do the next one. 
Yeah, same building, same day, actually, a, a photographer by the name of J.E. Flanagan, he was actually a famous photographer, came out to Woodburn because it was flooded. And it's pretty much the only reason in those days people came out and took pictures at Woodburn. Uh, there must have had to be a flood or something. Notice this here, Flanagan wouldn't have known this, this is kind of cool, but he happened to get a, a picture of these two girls here. That's Nancy Macro and Louise Morris walking to school back in. in in, in, in 1910, that, that's, that's kind of neat, yeah. Now, I think it's funny that in 1910, there was a sidewalk there. In, in 2015, we don't have a sidewalk there, but in the old days, there was literally a sidewalk. This is the, the street you came in uh, to, to church. Uh, our church building now, of course, sits over on this side. Um, now understand, this is 1910. How many years ago is that? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> this, this building here was built in 1897. 1897. So by the time this picture is taken, this building is already, I'm, I'm really bad at math in my head, 13? 13 years old. This building's 13 years old. And the congregation that meets here in 1910 is already like 43 years old. Okay, so this church is old. You understand this? This is the, the oldest picture that exists of our church, and already the congregation was 43 years old. Woodburn Baptist Church was planted in 1867. 1867. Let me tell you the story a little bit about it. In 1867, just so you know, uh, the, the city of Woodburn was kind of a happening place. Um, and let, let me tell you that in 1867, the town of Woodburn had three grocery stores, two farm implement stores. The city of Woodburn, you ready for this? In 1867, had two hotels, two hotels. Uh, there was a ladies, a ladies hat store. There were three doctors. There was a saddle and harness maker. There were two wagon carriage and plow makers, and there were, ready for this, two saloons. 1867, Woodburn had a whole lot more going on than, than, than it does now, to, to be honest. And that's what made it a rather fantastic and important place for church planting. So Providence Knob Baptist Church, you all know Providence Knob? It's over there in Rockfield. Providence Knob Church is considered the mother church. Because Providence Knob is one of the oldest churches in this region, and it planted everybody else. Now just think about that. that they planted almost all the churches that, that you know today. There was a man at Providence Knob whose name was John Fletcher South. He was not the pastor at the time, but he was a pastor. But most importantly, he was a church planter. And John Fletcher South was the man who first had the vision for a church in Woodburn. And so John Fletcher South began to work to plant a church here in Woodburn, Kentucky. So he formed uh, a, a team. He called it a launch team. There were three other men with him, and their names were W.A. Jones, Jesse C. Sweeney. They were both from the Providence Church. And H.S. Mitchell, who came from Clearfort Baptist Church. Understand, these four men came together, and, and they did all of the initial work to plant the church you're sitting in right now. They did this in the years prior. To 1867. They did it when it was hard to do. This is right after the Civil War. This was in a day when if you planted a church, you did it with almost, almost no money and you did it from the back of a horse. You understand? They rode horses. 
In the month of May in 1867, Woodburn Baptist Church was launched. I believe it was May 26, 1867, this church was launched. And on day one, there were, counting the launch team, 12 people. 12 people. 1867. And that's where our church began. Now, it's very much what the psalmist talks about in Psalm 78, that there's this obligation to be thinking about the future. There's an obligation to secure the faith for future generations, for children not yet born. So for John Fletcher South and those people who planted Woodburn Baptist Church, the children not yet born, that would be us. Do you understand that? That that would be us. So to plant a church is to do something very, very important for children not yet born. It's to do something for the future. Now, understand there's nothing new about it. They've been doing this since the very beginning, and they did it for us. And that's what brings us around to the the important question, how do we repay them? There's this incredible debt that we owe to John Fletcher South and W.A. Jones and and all of those others who have sacrificed and built to, to, to create the church that you and I sit in. How do we repay them? Well, you can't repay them. I I suppose we could send a basket of fruit over Providence Knob. That would probably be a good idea. But honestly, those people are gone. There's no real way to pay them back. All that we can do is, is what? Pay it forward. It's what you call paying it forward. In other words, we can't pay them. We'll have to pay the future. We'll pay, we'll pay it forward. So this is what I feel like the Lord is showing me. And understand that as pastor, I never see myself as the, the, the sage on the stage who comes off the mountain like Moses and then tells you what we're going to do. That's not how Woodburn operates. We've never operated that way. As pastor, I pray my guts out for this congregation, and I always want to hear God's voice. And when I hear what God says, I sit on it for a long, long time. I pray, and I've been praying about this for a long, long time. I wouldn't step out of here and say something if I didn't feel like God were not showing it to me. But, but, but all I'm saying now is I feel like this is what God is showing me. Now God's going to have to show you, but this is what I feel like God is showing me. I feel like we need to pay it forward. This congregation will have an important birthday in the year 2017. If we were planted on May 26, 1867, that means in the year 2017, our church will be how old? 150 years old. 150 years old. I think that's called the sesquicentennial, something like that. 2017, our church will be 150 years old. I believe that the best way to honor our church's history, the best way to celebrate that anniversary, the best way to honor those who've come before us in the faith and, and, and planted the church you're sitting in, I think the best way for us to honor that is to, is to dream like they dreamed and, and, and do what they did. I believe that our next church plant needs to be in Warren County, and I think we need to plant a new church. I think we need to do this. I think it is imperative that that we do this. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, Pastor Tim, we did Franklin. That was hard. Church planting is hard. Of course it's hard. It's always been hard. There's never been anything easy about it. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. It, it, It's hard. It, It really is hard. It was hard when John Fletcher South did it on the back of a horse. Have I mentioned he did it on the back of a horse? 
So understand, it's always hard. Every single generation will face its own unique difficulty. It was hard for them back then. It's going to be hard for us. In some ways, it's easier for us, but in other ways, it's hard. We will face challenges in church planting in Warren County today that John Fletcher South did not face. In some ways, our situation is very unique. One of the things John Fletcher South could not have faced is, is, is the multiculturalism that is now a part of Warren County. I see this as a very positive thing. But understand, now in Warren County, we have a tremendous population of Bosnians, a tremendous population of, of, of Burmese people, a tremendous population of Vietnamese and Laotians, a tremendous population of people from El Salvador and Honduras, a tremendous population of internationals everywhere. It's, it's thrilling to me. It really, really is. Do you understand, in the most recent, most recent census uh, Information from Warren County tells us that Warren County is over 120,000 people and growing every day. Our county is growing exponentially. But in Warren County today, in the county, one out of every 10 households doesn't speak English at home. One out of 10 in the county. In the city, that becomes, that becomes 14%. 14% of homes in Bowling Green now don't speak English at home. There was a day if you wanted to do Burmese missions, you'd have to go to Burma. But now there are two Burmese mission churches meeting in, in Warren County. Do you understand this? The, the, the world is now in, in Warren County. Now, the troubling thing about this is for me is that our community is beautifully multicultural. Our churches are not. Anybody in the room from Burma? Anybody in the room from Bosnia? Okay, you understand how devastating that is? Because in a neighborhood about five miles up the road, that neighborhood is now majority Bosnian. But our church doesn't look like its neighborhood anymore. Our churches all across Warren County don't look like the community. And honestly, when churches no longer look like their community, that's typically a sign of churches in decline. We're not reaching our community anymore, Woodburn. Do you understand that? We're not reaching the Bosnians. We're not reaching the Burmese. We're not reaching the ones from El Salvador. And they're living in our community. If we don't reach our community, we die. If we don't pass it on to the next generation that may not speak our language, we die. This is really serious, serious information for all of the churches in all of Warren County because we're all in the same boat. It's a boat full of white people in a community that is no longer all white people. It's devastating news for our churches. So understand the importance of planting new churches to reach new people. It's very, very important that we do this. Providence now back in this day was planting churches left and right. We think we're doing something big and we're not doing anything big at all. We're not even keeping up, not even keeping up with our community. It's a devastating and sobering fact. We think we're growing, we're not, because we're not growing in the way that the community is growing. That means we eventually become extinct. Multiculturalism is just a fact in Warren County, and it's a fact that churches are not reckoning with. We have to reckon with the reality of our situation. It's beautiful. It's a great opportunity. Lottie Moon had to get on a boat and cross the ocean to, to do international missions. All you need to do is walk out your door and down your street. Understand? It's a beautiful and wonderful opportunity that we have to take advantage of. 
John Fletcher South wouldn't have known about multiculturalism. He wouldn't have even imagined technology. Did I, did I mention that he planted this church on the back of a horse? We have so much technology today. Your teenager, you understand, she sleeps with her cell phone, doesn't she? Our, our kids sleep with their phones. A technology has now literally become an appendage to us. It, it, it's an appendage. By the way, if you're following the service today on the, on the live event on version, I've got a whole slideshow of church history. It's pretty amazing. Uh, a whole slideshow of, of, of old pictures. There's one picture in particular where you need to go back and look at Margaret Ann Chapman and Wanda Carpenter, Wanda Dobbins, Margaret Ann Adams, when they're teenage girls at a Warren Association meeting on the front lawn of Woodburn Baptist Church, they look like fashion models. Does, this looks like a spread from Vogue. I'm not kidding. You've got to go look at that picture. It's technology. I can have that going on even while I'm preaching. You can be looking at a slideshow of, of pictures of our church history while I'm talking here. You're doing it wirelessly with the device in your hand. Now, some of you are thinking, that's crazy. I need to put that phone away. We're in church. And I'm telling you, 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 can, you can be against it. You, you cannot have a phone yourself. You, you can, you know, keep playing your eight-track tapes, driving down in your pickup truck. But, but, but I'm telling you, that's not how the world is anymore. The, the world is driven by technology, and you won't be dialing that back. It makes what we do in some ways easier. It's much, much easier to reach and connect with people. Much, much easier to do that. Technology makes it very, very possible to bridge incredible distances to bring people together. We can plant a church in Perry, Oklahoma with Brian Ahern because of technology. Understand that? Unthinkable for previous generations. We can do that now. It, it's pretty exciting. But technology also has its drawbacks. It has this ability to make you feel closer to people far away. Hello, Brian Ahern. But it also has this tendency to separate you from the people that, that are near you. Have you ever been having dinner with someone who's ignoring you because they're texting somebody who's far away? It, it makes them closer to the person who's far away, but somehow creates distance from those that you're in the same room with. It always seems to take something back, even as it gives you something new. But, but the fact is, technology is, is a part of our culture now. It's a part of our society. As we plant churches, technology is something that we, we must leverage because it matters, because it's a tool God has given us. But we have to recognize the challenges of, of that. When I mentioned the planting of, of, of this church, Woodburn Baptist Church, I, I mentioned four men who were the launch team. And, and, and these are amazing, godly, powerful men, unstoppable men. John Fletcher South, after he planted Woodburn, he stayed here and was pastor for five years. After that, he pastored Providence Knob. After that, he went up and pastored First Baptist Church, which really isn't the first church because Providence Knob planted them. After he was pastor at First Baptist for a while, John Fletcher South decided just to go run for Congress, which he did. He lost. But he ran for Congress. Unstoppable man. And I mentioned he's doing all this on the back of a horse. I think one of the differences today in, in planting churches and even trying to have a church is, is this incredible crisis of leadership. And especially when it comes to men, and I love all the brothers in this room, I'm not so much speaking of you personally, but, but let's recognize something important about our culture. Men have largely evacuated their positions of leadership, their roles. 
Now, they're often still present, but they're still absent when it comes to their influence, absent when it comes to, to leadership. So many of our families now don't have a, a man even present in the house. The father's gone. For whatever reason, evacuated the, the family, left his role as father, as husband. But, but then you've got homes where the father hasn't evacuated physically, but he checked out a long, long time ago. It's an incredible crisis of male leadership in, in our culture. Now, women step up, and, and, and I think it's amazing, and I'm not against that. I love the way women have stepped forward. It's, it's amazing, the powerful women of God in this congregation. I, I love that, but a woman still can't take the place that a man takes. It, it, it's amazing the way women have stepped forward, and, and if we didn't have women, especially in certain periods of history at Woodburn Baptist Church, this church would have folded up a long, long time ago. Uh, most churches are carried along by the faithfulness of the women. That's been true for, for decades, but it's especially true today. We just need men. We need men in, in, in the most important kind of, of ways. John Fletcher South went and found three men, and they go and they start planting churches. And these days, you, you can't get a group of men to do, you know, deer hunt, but you're, you're, going to, you're sitting in a tree by yourself. It's really, really hard to get men together. It's hard to get men to get passionate about anything. It's hard to get men to step back into leadership roles. John Fletcher South had three brothers and they just went out together. Man, I, I'm, I, I can't tell you how importantly this church needs about four men who would have that kind of passion and dedication. And about four would make a tremendous difference in the life of this church. Am I exaggerating? About four men on fire would set this whole church on fire. Where, where's four men? So there are challenges for us, absolutely, but, but, but still a, a tremendous opportunity for the sake of the gospel to, to plant a church in Warren County like John Fletcher South and, and Providence Knob did all those years ago. It, it needs to be done now. Well, Pastor Tim, I've driven through Bowling Green. There are churches on every corner. Yeah, there are church buildings on every corner. But most of those churches are not reaching their communities. Most of those churches have, haven't baptized anybody in this whole year. It, it's just the truth. The fact that there are empty church buildings sitting around doesn't mean the work of the gospel is being advanced. We have to do this for the sake of the work of the gospel. If every person in Warren County woke up on a Sunday and decided to go to church, there aren't nearly enough churches to contain them. You understand, we are an under-church county. It's not that there are too many churches or even enough. We need to do this. We really need to do this. So where do we start? How do you start? I mean, we say we've done this like six times, but every time you start, it's still like doing something we've never done before. How do we even start? Well, we pray, we pray, and this is what I'm asking you to do. And that's why I'm telling you in 2015, something we're going to do in 2017, it gives us a lot of time to pray and prepare. We just got to pray. Now, as I say, as pastor, I believe that God shows me parts of things. I think I see the part that I see. And often I believe God shows me the, the, the vision way out there. And I cast that for the congregation. But now he's going to show you things. This is the way it, it works every time. I'll see a part of it. I'll, I'll say out loud what I'm seeing. And then now you have to pray. And then you have to be willing to say out loud what you think you're seeing. And, and when we all come together, God will show us together how this works. God will show us together how this 
is gonna, how this is gonna happen. It'll take all of us praying. So I'm begging you to pray. I mean, pray hard. I mean, on your face, praying. Not just on your face praying. Would you do some driving and then praying at the same time? But because honestly, Warren County is a big county. And there's not a bad place in Warren County to plant a church. I mean, just spit somewhere, and that'd be a great place to plant a church. I promise you. Wherever you could spit, that'd be a great place to build a church because probably somebody's already planning to build a mosque there. Not a joke. So you can't really find a bad place, but we have to find the place where God's calling us. So those of you who like to just drive, would you drive and pray? I'm suggesting you keep your eyes open for this. But would you drive and pray and just ask God to show you the location? Ask God to show us where. Warren County doesn't narrow it down much. So let's drive and pray and ask God. And I believe that God will show us all together where. He will show us a location in Warren County. He's going to show us this. If it's God's will, he will provide everything necessary to accomplish his purpose. And right now we just need a lot of information, a lot of guidance from him. I feel like with Western Kentucky University in the middle of Warren County, we should probably plant somewhere where we have proximity to have influence on the campus. I mean, the whole world cycles through Western Kentucky University, and we'll be foolish to ignore that. So, so I'm thinking maybe someplace where we can have proximity to reach the campus, to have important campus presence. But other than that, any neighborhood, any place, I'm telling you that this county is ripe and it needs churches. Would you drive and, and, and pray and, and just ask God to show you the place and then come back and, and tell us where you've been and tell us what God showed you and how God spoke to you? I, I know that if God's been telling me this for over a year, he's been telling some of you this for over a year too because that's how God works. So it's probably time for you to step up and tell us what God's been telling you about the new church in Warren County. We're going to need a church planter. We're going to need a pastor for the new church. Now, one of the really good things about the way we planted Franklin was we had Pastor Eric here on our staff for a good six months before we sent him out. If you ask Eric now, he would say he wishes that could have been longer. Now, at the time, we nearly had to tie him up and keep him here. He was busting to get out and go plant that church, but now he recognizes how important that time was. So honestly, if it's 2015, nearly at the end of that, 2016, planting in 2017, maybe next year that leader needs, God needs to send that leader. That leader has to step forward. We need to find a leader and, and, and a launch team. Some of you will be going to, to help plant the new church. It might be in your neighborhood. It might be up the street from you. We have no idea. I have no idea at this point where God will have us plant, but you may be a person that's gonna be on that launch team. Don Fletcher South had three men with him. I hope we can send more than four, but, but whatever God raises up. But you understand, God's going to raise up people, and, and the people are probably, you know, people you know. And it might be you. Or whatever he's about, to, like Pastor Tim's about to split this church. No, I'm not talking about like, you know, throwing half of you out because we don't like you. We've thought about that, but we've decided not to keep you. We're going to let you stay. <laughs> This isn't a church split. It's church multiplication. It's the oldest thing in the book. Do you understand? Go into all of the world. I think you could paraphrase that and say go into all of Warren County because some of you don't go far. 
but we can go into Warren County, and it's not splitting the church. You're not leaving the church if God calls you to, to leave this pew and go, go in and begin in, in a new work up the street. That, that's not leaving. That's not splitting. That's multiplication. That's a good thing. We need more and more and more with that. It's going to cost money. Everything costs money. The money's tight. I mentioned John Fletcher South did on the back of a horse. Planted the church in 1867. They built the building in 1897. The man who owned that corner property, he donated that because he was rich. He was part of the 1%. No, no, because he was a member of the church and that's what he had to give. He gave land. Somebody else in, back in the day in 1897 gave all of the timber. He didn't have a lot of money. There weren't any rich people in Woodburn. But he had trees on his property. They cut them down. He donated the lumber. They built the church. Not because they were rich, but, but because they gave what they had. In the very final business meeting in, in 1899, they got together and they had their financial report. And they had this very important need. They, needing, they needed some new hitching posts. Did I mention that they did this on horses? In 1899, at the very last business meeting, they decided to go ahead and, and approve the purchase of some new hitching posts. After they made those purchases in 1899, they had 52 cents left. 52 cents. So Woodburn Baptist Church came into the 20th century with 52 cents. Look what God did with that. Look what God did with that, 52 cents. Psalm 78 says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. Psalm 78 says it's really important that the people of God tell the stories of God to the next generation so that they know what a great and glorious God he is. In other words, you got to live your life as God's people in such a way where you got some stories to tell about God's goodness. You got to live your life in such a way where, where you got stories to tell about how God comes through in a big way when God's people step out in faith and follow Him. Do you understand? Because if you don't live in such a way, then the devastating part is what it says here in verse 8 that, that actually it, it, the whole thing can skip a generation. You can have generations and generations where churches die, where churches close their doors, where the gospel goes dark in a community. I mean, that happens when God's people don't step out, when God's people don't serve, when God's people don't give and, and, and do what they can. 52 cents. Our fathers and mothers and grandparents in faith, they, they allowed God to use them, and here we are. Children yet unborn to them, now we enjoy the fruits of everything they worked for. We got to pay that forward. There are children not yet born who will one day worship in the churches that we plant. 
now. Look what God did with 52 cents in the last 100 years. Just begin to ask yourself, what will he do in our day? What will he do with us? What will he do with what we have if we will give it to him? This is what I feel like God is showing me, brothers and sisters. Now, what's he going to show you? You got to pray with me. We got to pray together. 2020 vision is, is not just a big goal, something to push towards. It's just simply what will happen when we're fully faithful to him. Asking you to be fully faithful to him. And let's see what he does. Pray with me. I don't know any language but English. But oh God, up the street are homes where English is not the language spoken. Lord Jesus, there are Bosnians, Hondurans, Burmese, Mexicans, people from El Salvador. They are our neighbors now. We see them at Walmart. We do not see them at church. If they got up as a family and wanted to go to a church this morning, Lord, there would be no church for them. God, there's a whole generation of people addicted to technology. There is a generation, Lord, that's grown up without fathers, without male leadership. There are churches now, Lord, where the men have abdicated their responsibility to lead and sacrifice and do hard things. Lord, money is tight. It is so tight. To think about somehow in the midst of all of this, stepping out and planting a new church, Lord, it just seems like too much. It would be easier just to have potlucks in, in this building and fellowship and let the friendship grow deep and then Lord I could preach about a hundred funerals and we could close the doors and be done but don't let that be our story we serve you oh God and you are great and you are good and you care about this county you care about this state you care about the world Lord, make it so that we care like you care. You left your throne to come and die for us. Lord, I believe that we could leave our pew. You give and you sacrifice blessings upon us, Lord. Will you make us willing to pay all of that forward? We are blessed that we can be a blessing. I thank you, Lord, for Providence Knob and the vision they had in the previous centuries to plant churches, Lord. Churches for children not yet born because here we sit. 
But Lord, we must do what they did for the future, for the children not yet born in our day. Lord, we need to dream like they dreamed and do what they have done. We need to be like Forest Park, Lord, that planted living hope all of those years ago. Lord, there's nothing new about this. It's just simply, Lord, we've never done much of it. But if you call us, we'll go anywhere. We'll do anything. We'll give it all, Lord. Just show us. Lord, I pray if this is your will for us, that you'll show it to all of us together. Set a fire deep in our hearts, Lord. And let us burn for you all our days. And Lord, one day I pray that we'll leave some great stories for our children and grandchildren. Stories about faithfulness and sacrifice and the goodness of a great God at Woodburn Baptist Church. Lord, those stories, it's what we're living now. Help us, Lord, to live and pray, Lord, that you would be the author of this story. All of your goodness and greatness will be on every page. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.